time, man. Every time. The song gets me going. Good morning. How is everybody? So here we are for one week. For those 945 folkers who were in here for a long time, here we are, right, back in our own stopping grounds. And it looks really easy when they get all this stuff up. Obviously, we don't have the stage. That was one piece we were like, we don't need that. I like being on the floor anyway. You know, this is my, this is my space. But I just want to shout out to the folks who make this happen and make it look so easy. Larry and Kyle and, yeah, Julie and Bob and Dennis. They keep us straight. They do great work, and we just thank you. Um, and I know that they're glad this is only one week. <laughs> this is a big job. So, uh, But here we are. We're wrapping up our series on Back to Basics. We've talked about fasting. Last week, we started digging into the Word. Uh, we talked a lot about the why we read. And we pretty much, thesis throwing out there, sermon focus was we read to live. It is a matter of life and death. We read scripture because that's how we know God. That's how we know who we are in light of who God is. And if we profess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, the word's got to be true. If we don't believe that, then how do we believe the other? Right? So it's a very important part of who we are. And so today we're going to talk about the how we read scripture. But before we get started, I want to just talk about St. John for a minute. I want to talk about our vision and values. We talk a lot about our vision. We talk a lot about making a difference by uh, following Christ, offering hope, serving others, and loving everyone. But we don't a lot. We don't talk about our values a lot. Our values are who we are and how we live out this vision. And here's our six values that we have. Um, Christ-centered is the most important one up there. This isn't a hierarchy, though. It's not like you know discipleship driven is number two, all that. The other five pour out from being Christ-centered. Uh, and one of those values you see is being Bible-based. So at St. John, uh, it's not only important for us as disciples to be in Scripture, but it's important to be a part of the St. John community and know how important it is to live out uh, making this difference. But we got to be Bible-based to do that. And so to be Bible-based, we believe the Bible is authoritative and foundational in everyday life. And this value comes from a scripture found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, verses 16 and 17. And I want to read that to you this morning. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. For every good work. So what scripture is inspired by God? All scripture is inspired by God. And that was one of those pieces we talked about, is that there's some Christians out there that don't believe the word is inspired by God. But all scripture, Timothy says here in, in 2 Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God. The whole book is inspired by God. And it's useful for training. Uh, and for that part that we don't necessarily lack of that reproof and correction. We talked about that too last week. That A, lot, a big reason why we don't read scripture the way it's meant to be read is because we know we have to change when we do. We know that it's going to hurt a little bit to be exposed to the way that we live and the way God intends for us to live. So with this, I want to uh, turn to talking about how the Bible is read and this thought of perfection, this journey of perfection through sanctification. Uh, you'll see here this training in righteousness. Okay, the Bible is our measuring stick, it's our ruler, it's our guidelines, it's how we live into being Christ-like and how we do that. And so there's this beautiful concept called Revelation. Yes, there's also a book called that. It's a good one. Uh, it's a little heavy. So if you haven't read it, 
get ready. It's a big one. Uh, but there is a concept called revelation, and we talked about this, how Scripture changes us. It's too powerful not to change us. It's too powerful. And so when we open ourselves up to what's in it, we are transformed. And it happens not because we make it happen, but because when we make space for the Holy Spirit, and we make space for the Word, it becomes activated and alive. All right? So as Pastor Yosmar does, you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got the Word, and then you connect them and... That's good, isn't it? I'm learning. I'm learning. It just becomes alive, okay? The Holy Spirit is alive in us. The Word is alive when we connect those two. You connect it into the power of Scripture and what God can reveal to you about Himself in Scripture. He is always wanting to reveal something to us. Now, this concept of revelation, though, how many has been to a baby gender reveal party? That's a thing. It's a really big thing, apparently. People can get hurt. Like, there's been some crazy stuff with it. But when you go to this baby gender reveal party, you don't know what the gender is, right? So you go to this gender reveal party, and then you're, oh, it's a boy or it's a girl. So this concept of revelation means there's something we don't know. There's something we don't know. So there's a first step before we can really dig into this. I need to ask you a question. Can we admit that there are things God knows that we don't know. Okay, good. You're going to do fine. You're going to do great today. It's a good start. Okay, I'm glad I assumed that one. Now, the next question is, do we believe that God wants us to know more about him? That God wants to share his knowledge with us? Yeah, he wants to do that. He's a good and loving father. He wants us to grow in our knowledge of who he is and to learn more about his love for us. Of course he does. Now, the last one. Do we understand that sometimes God won't share his knowledge with us because we aren't ready to receive it? Yeah, that's a big one. It's a tougher one. It's a tougher one, and, and I know we can all relate to this because sometimes we got to go through a trial or we got to go through a situation before we are ready to learn something about God. I know Chris and I learned this hardcore when we went through Camden's health journey. We wanted to know everything that we know right now, a year and a half ago. We wanted to know everything. We didn't want to have to go through the waiting and for him to be born and all the tests and all that stuff. We just wanted to know. We wanted to know it was all going to be okay. But God didn't reveal that information to us. He didn't give us that knowledge. Because through that process, what happened is Chris and I became closer to God. We became closer to his word. We became closer to each other. And we depended so greatly on the prayers of other people. We wouldn't have been able to build that foundation if we had learned everything at the very beginning. And don't get me wrong, a wonderful perk of all this has been Camden is healed, and he's wonderful, and thank you, God. But through that situation, through that testing of our faith and that trust, we, we learned that he is so good. He is so good. And now we have more gratitude. We have more thankfulness for the way that he worked those things out, and the people that he brought in our lives during that time that now we have deep relationship with, there was so much that we wouldn't have been ready to receive or ready to 
be present with in a deeper, more grateful way than we are now. But it's not only situations and those kind of things that prime us. It's also this understanding of the ways that we have some behaviors we have to unlearn. Because when we approach Scripture, when we approach it, then we understand that um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. My word dump here is not fixing my word dump in my brain. <laughs> I want to talk about John Wesley before I get to that point. So John Wesley has this really cool concept called accommodation. John Wesley is one of my favorite theologians. John Wesley, um, who is the founder of Methodism, based a lot of his theology on John Wesley's theology. There's definitely some differences. Um, but John Calvin talks about this cool concept of accommodation. He says God is so good, he accommodates what he reveals to us around what we can know. Around what we can know. And so of all of this, here's what I want you to know. God is ready to reveal himself to us and to build upon the knowledge we already have when we are ready. So, God is ready all the time. God is ready all the time to share with us his knowledge. Who makes the determination if we are ready? That's, a, that's kind of a trick question. So I'm glad you guys are like, eh, I think I know the answer, but I don't really want to shout it out. This is a two-way street. God is God, all right? He always makes the final determination of what to reveal to us. But we have to be in a posture to receive it. We have to be in a posture to receive it. He is God after all. He sees the big picture. Just like the situation with Camden, he saw everything. He knew what was going to happen. He placed the people in our lives that needed to be there to help us through that time. He placed Chris being really strong when I was really weak, or I was being really strong and Chris was being really weak. He, he does all of this to just help us be able to grow through those situations and through those trials so that he can reveal his word to us, show us his promises, and live those promises out. But it's not only that, it's this unlearning of a behavior or a stronghold. You see, God wants us to more deeply know his character so we can more deeply understand our own. And so this is that correction, that training for righteousness part. When we approach Scripture, we begin to understand we're sinners. And sin distorts our view of the world and of ourselves. But we're not left there. We have the other side of that story of Jesus Christ dying for those sins, taking on what we deserve, and allowing us grace and freedom and mercy through that. And so... What happens is we can unlearn those things that have become staples of who we are and learn the things that are staples of God. For instance, there's all kinds of things out there that we hold to or cling to. Our shopping addictions, our spending addictions, um, our lust, pornography, eating our emotions, drinking, drugs, codependency, lying or exaggerating, escaping. That's a big one these days. Phone addiction. How many times do we pick up our phone? We even realize it's an addiction until we're picking it up 5,000 times a day. I can imagine it's a really high one. Love addiction, which is just needing attention from somebody to fill an empty bucket somewhere. Control, procrastination. I could go on and on and on about the different ways we try to fill our own buckets with the world and how broken it is and how broken we are. 
and how we're not clinging to the hope of God. But when, we are re when those things are revealed to us, when we're ready to accept or hear God, that those are issues or sins that we have, we can make space for his stuff, for his attributes, for his ways, his peace, his patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control, goodness, joy, love, mercy, grace, thoughtfulness, wisdom, prayer, fasting, and what we're talking about today, the Word. Reading the Word, or as this sermon is titled, Eating This Book. Eating This Book. Y'all ready to learn how to do that? Are you intrigued? I didn't come up with it. I got I to thank Eugene Peterson for this one. So I'm going to start with this scripture from Isaiah 31. Hear, hear the word of God today. For thus the Lord said to me, as a lion or a young lion growls over its prey, and when a band of shepherds is called out against it, is not terrified by their shouting or daunted as their noise. Now you're probably thinking, yeah, where are you going with this, Ashley? This is talking about a lion growling over its prey. Okay. Well, this is a revelation that God shared with Eugene Peterson, who then wrote a book. And I'm so thankful he did, because when I read this seven or eight years ago uh, in seminary, it just totally changed the lens of how I approach Scripture. It's just a wonderful revelation, and I have been waiting to preach it. And finally, there I am. It's so exciting. So I want to talk about this word growls, and I want to spend some time here. So about a month ago, it had been a week, Chris and I hadn't really seen each other very much. We were just running one place to the next. And it was Friday, and I said, you know what, I'm going to go to work with you today. He works at a really casual office, and not a lot of people are there. So I went with him, and we were knocking stuff out. Well, one of his uh, coworkers brought their dog, this beautiful golden retriever. She was just a sweet thing. And she hops up on her little bed, and she's just chewing. And then all of a sudden, you hear her go... <laughs> I mean, she was just loving this bone that she had. It was like just the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, oh, what a sweet little dog. And so I'm sitting here working, and then I look over, and she's standing there, and I'm like, oh, hi. And she's like, you know, wagging her tail with her bone in her mouth. And I'm like, oh, you want me to throw it? And I go to reach for it. She's like, Rrr. And Chris said, no, no, it's okay. She does that. What she was letting me know is, yes, you can take this from my mouth and throw it, but it's mine. You're not taking it for good. It is my bone. I love this thing, and it is my most precious item, and you cannot have it. So, you ready for this? Get ready for this, friends. This is scripture I want you to read with me from Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, they meditate day and night. Oh, I don't think you guys are ready. This is so good. So the word we talked about, this growls word in Isaiah, is the same word David uses for meditate here. The Hebrew word hagah. Isn't that cool? I love the Hebrew language, and here's why. They didn't have a lot of words. We just gum it up. We have a gazillion words that mean a million different things. Some words mean the same things. And you have all these synonyms and anonyms and all the stuff. Hebrew had this little bucket of words, but they had deep meaning. Really deep meaning. And so here we have this Hebrew word that has so many implications when we think about how we approach Scripture. 
And I want to talk about this just a second. I wish I could say this were my burner, but it's not. We realized last night we don't have any pictures of our dog eating a bone. <laughs> and we're talking about it, and he's looking at us like, I want a bone. I really want a bone. So we found a picture of a burner chewing a bone because visuals are good. And we're going to talk about this picture quite a bit and what this word Hagah means for us when we approach Scripture. So I want us to really think about everything that's happening in this picture for this dog and this moment in time when he's chewing on this bone. All right, so first of all, we think about his mind. His mind is just focused on this bone, all right? Nothing is more important. He is chewing it, and that is all that he's got going on, and he doesn't want anything else going on. Now we think about his body, what's physically happening to him. Well, he's drooling all over the place. His saliva's going, you know, it's like, oh, this is just the most wonderful thing ever. His digestive juices are starting to flow, right? His muscles are working to hold the bone, and then he's also chewing it. His body has been activated to absorb the nutrients and the calories and the substance that he is consuming. And his entire being, every part of this dog, is in pure delight. He is so excited. He is so happy. He is full of joy. But he also has passion and protection over what is his. This is a sacred time for this dog. And I know y'all like, thanks for being patient with me. I realized in the first time when I was talking about this, like, this is really weird. But thank you. There's going to be a connection, I promise. Then we have this literal, physical response from all that's happening in his whole body of... He can't hold it back. It's not natural. He's not doing it on purpose unless you try to take the bone, but it just comes out. He's just so excited about this bone that he just growls over it <sighs> as he's chewing it. When you think about all this over a bone, meditate over Scripture seems a little underwhelming. Can't we get a better word? Isn't there a better word for us to use when we think about this action and how Isaiah was using it about a lion over his prey or a dog over his bone. And then we think about meditating over Scripture. There's a little bit of a disconnect there when how the Hebrews were talking about it. We don't have bones, but we have words. God has given us words, spoken, written, and read. We don't have to guess who God is. We don't have to wonder what works he can do. We don't have to think or ask, do you love me, God? We already know. He has told us clearly. He has given us the beginning of the story. He's given us the middle of the story. And even though we're not living in it yet, he's told us the end of the story. We know what's coming. He has made it very clear that we know everything we need to know about who God is in the Bible. So, how do we eat the book? How do we do this? Y'all ready? You want to know how to eat it? You ready to growl? <laughs> so, I wrote study versus spiritual, and I really, after kind of looking at this a few times, said it really shouldn't say versus. This isn't a competition. I'm not saying study is better than spiritual reading. There's two different approaches that you can read Scripture on. This you really should say study or spiritual. So sorry for those competitive ones of you out there. I'm not trying to make a competition here because both of these approaches are very important and essential to how we read scripture. 
And so when you look at study, this is really more of what we do in our small groups, all right? And there is definitely a place for it. It is so essential to do this. But there are so many ways, a gazillion ways you can study Scripture. You can do it through the inductive Bible study. You can do it through the discovery Bible method. You can do it through um, these sheets that have just like really easy um, acronyms. Like in a staff meeting every week, we use the SOAP method where we look at the scripture, we observe it, we apply it, and then we pray over it. And then there's also one called coma that does not put you in a coma. But you, you go through it and you look at the context, you look at, you observe it, you look at the meaning that it's trying to tell you and then how you can apply it. You can buy books everywhere uh, to try to help you study scripture or books of the Bible or topics. There are a gazillion ways to study scripture and there is a place for it and it is essential to our growth of knowing God. And I'll be honest, 95% of the time, that's what I'm doing. I just love it. I love to learn. I love to see the nuances and read about the original language and the context, and that's why I went to seminary. I loved learning about it. But the one I want to focus on today is the spiritual one, because that's the one that is a little more uncomfortable. It's a little bit tougher to do. You see, study is more, it focuses more on application. Spiritual focuses on participation, the invitation into living God's word, allowing it to transform us, to absorb it into our being and into our fibers and into doing what it's telling us to do and growing into who God created us to be. Spiritual reading of scripture invites us to live what we read, to live what we read. And so there's this really cool thing, some of you may have even heard of this, called Lectio Divina. This is Latin, literally meaning spiritual or divine reading. This is not a linear thing. The steps we're going to go through isn't, I have one, two, three up here, or four, but you can do them interchangeably, you can do them differently, but the kicker is you have to do them together. You cannot do them in isolation. You can't do one part and then not do the other three parts. Eugene Peterson says this about that. They are like sodium and chloride, very dangerous, lethal, even in isolation. But as a compound, sodium chloride, table salt, bring life to bland foods. Lectio Divina is a way of reading that becomes a way of living. So I want to dig into this practice today for us, all right? So... Here are the four steps, and you'll notice there's a Latin word for each of the steps, and then there's an English word. Eugene Peterson takes it a step farther and relates it to how we eat it, how this actually translates to this eating this book concept and letting it actually become a part of who we are. Okay, so the first step is reading, and I say that, and it's up there, and it's clear, but it's not really the first step. <laughs> Way to confuse us, Ashley. It's not me. Um, it's really just this whole process. So there's a reason that I have you all speak Scripture when I preach. And it's because when we think about the way the Scripture was passed or stories were passed for so long in ancient times, it's important that we do that today. And how, how was it? How was it passed along through the old ancient times of Hebrews? Orally, they spoke it. They spoke the Word. I could sit up here and I could read this. Did you guys hear anything? Did I hear anything? No, my mind was going. There were words in my head, but I didn't hear it. When we look at Deuteronomy, we look at the Old Testament, we think about the Shema. 
Shema Yisrael, listen, hear Israel. When Jesus talked about parables, he said, with anyone with ears, listen, listen. We have to speak this word. So the first step before re-reading, and actually a part of reading, is speaking. Speak it two or three times. Say it out loud, and then read it and absorb it. And this is meant to be done very slowly. I mean, when you sit down to eat a steak or a cake, do you stick the whole thing in your mouth? At 8.30, I was a little concerned. Nobody was like, nope. They were all like, hmm. I think, I think they thought about, I wish I could. I mean, I wish I could too, but we don't. We tear it, you know, we cut it up into pieces, we cut the cake into pieces, and we take smaller bites. That's what this practice is. That's how we approach Scripture. We can't take it all in all at one time. We have to break it into pieces so God can build, again, that building upon the knowledge. We have to do it slowly with one verse, one chapter, one or two verses. Don't go crazy. Just start with one. Then on the second step, we have metadatio, which is the chewing portion of this, where we reflect. All right, this is, this is that meditation section of that, okay? And this step moves us from looking at the words of the text to entering the world of the text. In this case, the Bible is revealing God to ourselves and in turn revealing who we are in light of the text that we're reading and spending time in and in light of God. And it's especially important during this step, if we haven't already, on step one. It's important on step two to invite the Holy Spirit. We can't do this without the Holy Spirit. We can't reveal knowledge about God to ourselves. We have to have the Holy Spirit do that for us through the living and active Word. Sometimes, even though you may only read word verse, and I'm sure this has happened to you all before, when you're reading a chapter, you're reading a story, or you're reading even one verse, one word can stick out to you, or one verse can pop out, and you're like, huh, I wonder why that's, I wonder why God's given me that. He's given it to you for a reason. Sometimes we probably really sit with it so that he can bring it to life for us. Thirdly, is respond, this oratio, the savoring portion of this digestive way of eating the book. We were given the language, language to not only speak and to read and to write and to learn, but we were given language to respond. When we think about God and how good he is, we have to respond to him. He's, he's too good not to respond. And we do this through prayer. And we've spent a lot of time talking about prayer these last couple months. And have you guys felt this? It's been really cool to see how God's moving in our community and in our church. He's working and he's moving. And when you pray and you have that conversation with him and you verbally process that, that's a response to his goodness. That's a response to what you've read. You just start talking about what you see here. And, okay, God, what are you telling me? What's going on? Prayer is how we build relationship with the author of the word that we are digesting and with ourselves. Prayer, I'm going to trademark this. Prayer is how we savor the flavor of God. I know. Eugene missed the mark there. He could have included that. I'm sure he's sitting there with Jesus right now like, man, I wish I had gotten that from Ashley before I wrote my book. We enjoy, though, and we sit and we talk to God and we verbally process what we read, and he's going to hear us, and we have that connection then with him about talking about it. And then lastly, and this is probably the toughest one, I think this is really tough for a lot of people, is this con contemplatio, the rest portion. 
the rest portion. So we allow the text to get into our muscles, into our bones, our minds, the air in our lungs, our hearts. And this is important because everything here relates to how we literally eat a meal. You know when we eat and you've just scarfed food down and then you go, oh man, I'm so full. We got to give time for our, our stomachs to relay the message to our brain that we've had enough. And when we eat really fast, we eat too much because that takes some time. So it's good to eat our food slow so that our brain can say, you're full, you need to stop now. Except we typically scarf our food down, at least I do. But contemplation is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not something only monks do or only nuns do. It's something God has given us to have a deeper relationship with him and understanding. And this relates so strongly to Sabbath. This is a way for us to be able to have Sabbath in little portions every day instead of, oh, God, I just, I didn't get a 24-hour Sabbath in this week. But... I know, you guys are looking at me like, 24 hours? I wish. I know, I feel that. Sabbath is hard. But this is a practice that allows us to create that space to be able to focus solely on God, His plan, His will, who He is, and who we are. Y'all think about this. God is always accessible to us. But we are not always accessible to him. You hear that? He's always accessible to us. He is always waiting for us to turn our heart and our mind and our attention to him. But our attention and our heart and our mind isn't always there. This practice helps us get there, and surrender is a big piece of that. It's a big piece of contemplation. It's not something we do. It's something we receive. Palms up. Surrender. We simply open ourselves up. We submit to God's truth. We drown out the enemy's lies. We let God speak into that. And we choose to obey his word. Shema. It's not just listening. It's obeying. It's taking that connection of what he's telling us to do and then living it out so we can practice. This act of obedience in Lectio Divina allows the Word of God to be alive and active in our lives. It's not meant to be another step-by-step method. That's not why I'm giving you this, is so that you have this checkbook. I know that you guys who like need that box, that's not what this is meant to be. It's meant to be a very fluid and organic opportunity to sit down with God and just learn more about Him and be aware of His presence in your life. It's a very different approach to eating, too. I mean, how many, I know I'm always eating on the go. I'm eating in my car, I'm eating at my desk while I'm working, I'm eating down with my family, we're talking about the week, we're trying to figure out where we go, what we're doing. How many times have we actually sit down to a meal and done nothing else but think about our food and eat our food like that dog is eating his bone? It's hard. It's not a natural thing that we do because we're being pulled in a million directions. This practice is going to be hard. It's not going to feel natural. It's going to take some time. But when we make this space, when we choose to make this posture every day, he's going to show up. We're going to feel his presence. We're going to want more of it. We're going to growl. Because we don't want anybody messing with it. It's our prized possession. And our bodies, our minds, our hearts, 
realize how deeply we need that space. I want to end with something that I have said out loud to myself when I read scripture now that I've read this book. Um, It's a reminder that it's not up to me what God's word says. I can't use it to my advantage. I can't use it to say what I want it to say. All I can read, all I can do is receive it. It's his story, it's his truth, it's his Holy Spirit. And once he reveals it to me, then I can obey him on how to live it out in my life and share it with others. This is a great prayer before we start this practice. We will not try too hard. We will not set ourselves perfectionistic goals. We won't take over. We won't insist on measured progress. We won't compete. Having read and meditated and prayed, and continuing to read and meditate and pray, we will step back and bless, love and obey, and breathe. Let it be to me according to your word. Relax and receive. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that there are these awesome revelation nuggets of how you have connected these things and how we can dig in and learn more about who you are and who you want us to be and how you want us to approach and make space for your word. Lord, we just thank you for this gift. We pray for your spirit to help us be obedient, to have the strength and the patience and the determination and the self-control to make this a practice in our lives so that we can learn more about who you are and we can learn more about who we are and how we take place in your story that you're inviting us into every single day of our lives. Lord, we love you and you are so good and we pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come. I have decided, I have resolved to wait upon you, Lord. My rock and redeemer, shield and reward, I'll wait upon
We close out our worship uh, with one more song. We just uh, remember what, uh, what what Ashley has been talking about these last two weeks: the importance of the word. Uh, every great design, and we are we have been designed by by the ultimate designer. And every great design becomes with a user manual. And so all we got to <laughs> do is read the directions. <laughs> so my fourth grade teacher used to say to me every day: when all else fails, read the directions. Amen. So let's Amen. take him at his word. I see it in 
folks that are leaving on Saturday to go to the DR and I want to pray for them we need to pray for them so if y'all come up here putting you front and center so we can pray over you all yeah they're going with Go Ministries they're going to do some awesome mission work Stephen's not here but we're going to pray for him too come up here y'all we family we are family all right Let's have a prayer over these friends, okay? Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for their hearts, for their servant hearts, God, that are going to serve you. We pray for your provision, for your protection, for your word to be heard, for your gospel to be shared, for it to be received, for hearts to be changed and transformed. God, we love you, and what an awesome gift this is to go and serve you in this way. Lord, we just pray that you are in the midst of this, that your Holy Spirit is guiding every single second for everyone who is involved. And in Jesus' holy name, we all said, amen. amen. Thank you all so much. Yes. Thank you.
about suitcases. Yeah, suitcases out there. Um, you can make donations because they got to take stuff down to the DR. So um, if you want to make a donation for the cost of those suitcases, you can do that as you leave. So I want to close with this. It's an awesome thing for just wrapping this series up. Watch what you're thinking about. The words your mind thinks become the house your heart lives in. Are we making space for these disciplines and these practices? What's our bones? What are we eating? What are we thinking? What are we spending our time on? When it's God, that's when we can unleash the true power of who we are and make a difference in our community, in our world, and in our church. Have a great week, friends. I'll take you at your word.